Garbage is Served is a not-safe-for-work podcast addressing controversial topics in the U.S., like baby boomer fragility and abstinence-only education that are guaranteed to ruin your family dinners. Each episode focuses on some of your family's regrettable misconceptions that your hosts, Jesse and Keeley, take to task. Cheers, everyone. This is our final episode of season one. Ah! If you're just tuning in, welcome to the podcast Garbage is Served. And newsflash, it's just as garbage full now as it was when we started. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we're sli- we're getting slightly better, though, with each podcast. I'm trying not to speak too into the mic this time. We're also less drunk right now now. compared to what we typically are but no i really feel like there have been some really good moments of flow yeah you know like Mm -hmm. where we're rolling during the episode it is funny though to um go back and listen to those moments because like at the moment like they sound really great in my head and then when i listen to them i'm like "Ooh, i'm a hot mess (laughs) so (laughs) depending on the reception of when we actually publish these podcasts (laughs) you might not actually ever hear this one (laughs) that's fine yeah, no, it's going to be great. So, Keely, do you want to explain the theme of today's episode? I certainly do, but just a quick warning. It's kind of hard to explain because we didn't prepare at all. Yeah, um, that was actually <laughs> part of the theme, though, is not preparing at all because this is a real wing it episode mm-hmm. where we're doing something completely different. Yeah, because we're experimenting, but in our 30s. Yeah, we're <laughs> it's never too late. <laughs> There's still time. Um, <laughs> so we are going to be reading advice columns um that was our ultimate goal originally are we not doing that well no i think we (laughs) sorry no we are i think you said advice columns but i heard like romance responses like dear (laughs) what's it called do you know what i'm talking about dear abby yeah like a dear abby thing and so i searched a lot for those oh my god (laughs) but i didn't find them so i think we do have advice column-esque things yeah, so we are going to take existing advice columns and just read the questions and answer them how we think they should be answered, and then maybe read the actual published answer. That's Ooh. all. We're not even like answering questions that people have asked us to. <laughs> We're just putting our expertise out there from our own goodwill. And by expertise, <laughs> we mean uh, general as, thoughts. As public health professionals? Barely, though. (laughs) You qualify as that way more than me. So, yeah, I didn't fulfill the assignment that was sent to me. So what I did was I looked for advice columns, and I stumbled across, like, more of a blog. And so I read two articles that talk about ways that a certain group of people should live their lives. Christians? It is Christians. (laughs) That group of folks. And uh, (laughs) those people. Those other people. No, but anyways, I read two of those articles, and one of them I read more in depth and have some questions and thoughts for us to discuss as I highlight the article. So it's kind of meeting expectations, kind of not, but whatever. Okay, yeah, and then in um, to complement that, I guess, I'm going to read some questions out of the Playboy Advisor book, um, where I guess, well, here, I'll just read the description. Questions from men and women to the advice column of Playboy magazine. Um, I don't really know how old these questions are. There are so that. many of them. Yeah. I've never um, previously read a Playboy advice column, and yeah, we're just going to 
We're going to dive in when we get to that portion of the podcast. I'm kind of wondering, would it be more fun to start with that? So we get in the mindset of responding to Playboy before we switch our focus to Christian questions. <laughs> I, I, or what's your preference? I want to hear like what what you want to share about Christians because I have no idea what you've read or prepared. It really, what I want to say is like I had these these ideas that I thought would pan out and I don't think that they did. So we could, I'm just, I'm going to start. Yeah, start please. And if it's terrible, we'll just stop and erase it from the podcast so no one will be the wiser. But you should leave that moment in so that people know that you cut something out. For sure. For sure. No, uh, I was going to say we value transparency here. I'm not sure that we do. What? I don't even know if we have values. <laughs> no, we do. We have So to begin with, do you know who else has values? Christians. Christians that have values. <laughs> and so the website that I found, it's called Boundless. And just to give a little bit of background on Boundless, because one thing that I didn't want to do, I didn't want to find some person's kind of semi-private, it's on the weekend and they're spilling their soul, and to criticize that because I want everyone to get through life in the best way they see fit. You don't want to like attack an individual for like something that is more of a systemic thing and then blame that person for being like who they are. I don't because those are some of my values. Okay, (laughs) great. So you do have values. I do. I have some. So instead I found boundless.org, which is an arm or a ministry, so to speak, from focus on the family. Yeah. Their values suck. Yeah. Anyways, some background on Boundless.org. The Boundless community exists to help you, the Christian, navigate the season of young adulthood with biblical wisdom and intention. They want folks to, one, own their faith, two, date with purpose, and three, prepare for marriage. Okay, so I'm not, like, I don't have a problem with the first two Mm -hmm, necessarily. mm -hmm. The third one I definitely do, and in the context of what they promote, I hate all of it. But, like, dating with purpose is, like, not a bad thing. I mean, it's also not bad to date without purpose. Or not to date. Oh, and I lie, there is a fourth one, it's honor God, but... Oh, yeah, no, I'm definitely not gonna do that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, But why don't you like the preparation for marriage part? Oh, because I don't think people need to get married. Oh, to have value? Yeah, yeah. I know, it must shock you to hear that about me. <laughs> I'm leaving <laughs> my own apartment. Um, yeah, because you don't have to get married and like you're a valuable person regardless. And also, marriage doesn't validate your relationships. Like, you can be in a relationship and not get married. And like, and that's cool. Yeah. Live your best life. Yeah. And if you want marriage, do that too. Yeah. Any of those things are fine. But like saying that there's only one good way to be an adult is the worst version of reality. Right. So they challenge 20 and 30-something, so young adults is what they've defined, uh, to reject society's low expectations and live biblically and intentionally, we've already said that, in all things, and that includes the relationships. So I wanted to emphasize that because the first article that I read, Jesse and audience members, (laughs) is called Giving God Control of My Sexuality. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. Okay. Please tell me more. Strap in. Okay. Strap it on. Whatever is your pleasure. (laughs) They start this article. And it's funny because I printed, as a side note, I printed two articles at random in a rush. And I printed two that I kind of felt were sensational and what might be funny. So I didn't read them before I printed. So I kind of like, it was a crapshoot. I was like, Mm -hmm. we're going to read these and see how it pans out. To begin, this author talks about what acceptable sex is. She talks about countercultural sex. What? 
countercultural sex. Yeah, but like what is like oh. what is like <laughs> Oh, great question. Like what is it? Yeah, especially in Suzanne's definition. <clears throat> At face value, God's take on human sexuality can seem restrictive. Sex must take place within marriage between one man and one woman. In a sexually permissive culture, this seemingly narrow channel for sexual expression can appear to be primitive and even unrealistic. And then she poses some questions. What about same-sex couples that want to get married? What about the committed dating couple that sees moving in together as a prudent trial before marriage? What about the man or woman who uses pornography as a sexual outlet? Yeah, yeah what about them? Well... <laughs> what does Suzanne have to say about that? She says that these practices are common and they make perfect okay. are common. Oh wait, did she say did I say aren't? I meant to say are. No, you said that. Oh, okay. I was <laughs> like, thanks, Suzanne. <laughs> and they make perfect perfect sense to those who aren't following God. She talks about some Bible verses to back up her claim that these questions that she posed, those are outside the scope of what God wants sex to be. So they are therefore inherently bad and sin. And she says that sin is bondage. And so you don't want that. Also, there are so many... Some people are into bondage. I know. Well, she uses terms like bondage and master in here about God and stuff. And that was... Okay. So anyways, we kind of get this idea of what she sees as sex. And I think one of the more interesting points is that she talks about her upbringing and she was... I think a young adult during the what was called the True Love Waits era. Are you familiar with True Love Waits? No. You are? No. Ah! This was something that was like, for me, it was like, what would Jesus do bracelets? And then once you hit your period, it was True Love Waits things. And it's basically the idea was True Love Waits for marriage. Yeah. So I'm not trying to get into too much abstinence only until marriage, but this is what she talks about, right? And she asked some questions because she was a big supporter of this and that it was part of her rearing as well. What the fuck, Suzanne? So she says, I grew up in the era of true love waits. The emphasis was on guarding your physical virginity like a precious treasure so that you could offer it to your future spouse. Oh my fucking God. As unsullied as possible. And so I had the question. I can't believe you'd never heard of True Love Waits. I've never. I mean, like, I definitely understand the sentiment. And yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with that, but I didn't know it had that, like, official trademark mm. name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a big one. And I guess for me as a person, what does virginity mean to her in this moment? Such a good question. I mean, I'm guessing it's PV sex. Me too. So, like, does that mean the anal's okay? Yeah, and oral and, like, finger banging and stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, like, it seems like that's what Christians do. Hashtag not all Christians. But it really seems that, like, when people talk about abstinence, they really mean abstaining from reproductive sex. Right. All right. So the reason that I brought up True Love Waits, one, because it was something that I heard, certainly growing up but she had some questions about this as she was thinking about god in terms of her sexuality and what that meant so these are the questions she poses she states giving my sexuality to god boils down to this question what is my primary reason for staying within god's boundaries for my sexuality is it to earn my way to greater holiness is it to bless my future spouse or is it to show my love for god through obedience to his stated will it's all of the above right well, she comes to this conclusion, Jesse, that in a sense, true love waits applies. So she does agree with the term true love waits, but only the true love is not for her future or current significant other. It's for her God. Okay, so she doesn't want to experience love. Her whole thing now is that God is her master 
and everything she should she does should reflect that even her sex life and so that's why her ultimate argument is that she has to stay within this narrow-minded view of sex because all things in her life she is doing to glorify her god and that brings me to the next question jesse yes <laughs> the question i have okay so if she's doing saving her sexuality for god and god is the center of her marriage can she jack off to god <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming that, like, masturbation is just wrong in her view. But I guess, like, if if God gets her off, it seems like that'd be, like, a really great way to honor God. Same. I mean, also, can she just marry God? Or, like, can we all just marry a ghost? Is and that acceptable now? Does it make it a cult? Also, that sounds gay as shit. <laughs> Wait, no, God's a man, though. Yeah, I know, but, like, I'm guessing that the same applies for men. And that's oh, pretty gay. Yeah. Also, like, I don't know, like, marrying a ghost creature spirit is the, pretty the gay. spirit, yeah. yeah. Like, the spirit of God, I don't know. Like, that, we had some kinky shit. That's what I'm saying. All Christians are kinky. I've never said that. <laughs> so what I really wanted to say is she summarizes by talking about how her choices may make her look intolerant, but this is what she has to do to honor her lord and master. I mean, that's, that's fine if she wants to do those things. I'm certainly not going to do those things. Right. Same. I would have never even heard of uh, Suzanne if you hadn't. Oh, did I these call articles. her Susan? I don't know. <laughs> I think it's Suzanne. Anyways, this is a nice quick segue to the second article that I read. I did not read this one as thoroughly. I know it looks like I did a lot of work for that first review of the article. Yeah, I mean, you have notes. I, I did have notes. Aren't you a little bit handwritten proud? notes? So we were talking about the intolerance of Suzanne out of love of her god and so i want to read a second article yes please by suzanne entitled beckett cook doesn't miss being gay so that's my response is just a sigh (laughs) if if the mic didn't pick it up it was a massive sigh (laughs) let me just do a quick synopsis of this boy in the story is beckett cook boy gets coffee with friend in california boy sees other people at coffee shop reading bibles this was like in the early 2000s so i guess they didn't have iphones and the next weekend after meeting these folks at coffee shop, Beckett goes to church. Gay Beckett. <laughs> I should not identify someone like that. But it's important. It's not important. for. It is important for the story, but I shouldn't have said it like that. He goes to church. Gay Beckett goes to church. He goes to it's church. It's like a children's book. On the next weekend. <laughs> after he went to church, I don't know if it was that weekend or like a little bit afterwards, but he left his gay identity behind his words and this was more than 10 years ago and 10 years later apparently he doesn't question that decision as of now he still struggles with same-sex urges but he is happy to remain celibate and single for the rest of his life if necessary oh so he's not like become straight he's just like repressing his sexuality yes like he's gonna have no sexual relationships. that is my understanding what he's based on suzanne's take of Beckett's book and And, experience. And Suzanne is an expert, so. She writes her focus on the family. (laughs) Boundless.org. But he's not starting a family, so. No, it doesn't Mm. seem so. (laughs) Sorry, Beck. I want the best for you, Beck, and I kind of feel sad for you. Maybe you're happy. But oh, the point I was going to make (laughs) is, so it sounds like you are correct. He is repressing his sexuality, but he seems outwardly happy about it because he's sacrificing for his god yeah i mean it sounds like he has just so much shame that this is the only way he's capable of living without just absolutely hating himself but i guess that's a fun existence (sighs) the problem with me i feel sad for that i want beckett to live his best life and to be who he is my problem with beckett is that he was quoted saying that christianity and homosexuality can't be reconciled 
And so I think that's the upsetting part for me in this. And it kind of goes back to something that you were saying earlier, that you don't mind how people live their lives, but when they tell other people things they can or can't do based on their interpretation of the world, that's where I get frustrated. Yeah. Did that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. And also, there's such a power dynamic here, too, though, Mm. that it's just like, this is the only way to live. This is the only way to honor God. This is the only way to be a Christian. Right. This just all feels so fucked up. And it's not even just telling people how to live, but there's also a lot of, like, power and influence behind, you know, Christianity or focus on the family. What a gross way to use your platform. I mean, I get that that's why they have a platform, but, like, fuck them. For sure. And they go on and talk about how this... Again, like with Susan's other article about how this might seem like they are maybe harsh or judgy of other folks. They don't use the word judgy. That was my word. But yeah, it seems like that when you're saying that your interpretation of the Bible doesn't allow gay folks to be Christians. So that's what I had to share on this episode. Well, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for setting the stage, Keely, because I think this is going to lend really well into this advice column that we're now going to explore perfect we should definitely like answer the questions maybe like how we would answer them and then maybe like how christians would answer them i love it i love it specifically like focus on the family christians because again like not all christians is not like a homogenous group so wait are we doing some role play (laughs) (laughs) i if you want to keely yeah yeah. I think that threw that threw Jesse first. It did. It did. It did. Yeah, I'm ready. I haven't uh, screened any of these questions for what it's worth, so it's possible I'll read some and it'll get really disturbing really quickly. Again, this is from Playboy. It's not good. (laughs) This is not like our trusted go-to advice column. (laughs) We are deep in the hetero patriarchy right now. Yeah. But I did flip randomly to a page um, (laughs) as we're getting set up and found a really great question. It's very short. So I'm going to start with that one because I think that the sort of like spiritualism in the question is going to go really well with everything you just talked about. I love a good spiritual segue. Um, So again, this is from Dear Playboy Advisor by Chip Rowe. That's a name. And I am just flipping here in case you're following along in the textbook to page 223. This is uh, the beginning of a chapter called Penis, the long and short of it. And the question is as follows. Are erections larger under a full moon? My wife told me that my erection appears larger on nights of the full moon. I didn't believe her, so she measured me every night for two months. And sure enough, on nights just before, during, and after a full moon, I was half an inch longer. Have you heard of this before? Does it have anything to do with the moon's gravitational pull? From RJ in New York, New York. RJ. What's what's your hot take, Keely? First of all, what's RJ stand for? <laughs> I don't know, like Ross Joe. I'm yeah. just thinking of Friends characters. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> As a pagan, I'm not pagan. <laughs> okay, okay. What do I think? So wait, oh, is the question, do I think his dick can get bigger with the full moon? Yes, and if so, does it have to do with the gravitational pull? I want it to be true that the moon affects the tides and erections and my cycle. I don't think it's true. I do applaud this couple for measuring a penis every day for two months. That's a lot. Yeah, I feel like the wife is just like, like lying to him. Oh, is that it? I feel like she's like, oh, you're so big. Like, it's like a weird kink thing. Maybe she's just super horny around the full moon. Yeah. Or maybe like the full moon is coinciding when she's like ovulating and getting like super 
jazzed super jazzed about yeah. the D. <laughs> jazzed about the D. Yeah. So ultimately, no, your dick isn't getting bigger on the full moon. That doesn't make any sense. I want it to because I think that'd be fun, like magic in the real world. But that's not how the world, real world works. No, it's also not how gravity works. Like that's the wrong term that you're using. Yeah, like gravity isn't like stronger on a full moon. Like the moon is still <laughs> there, whether it's full or waxing or waning or whatever, because like it's just the light that's hitting the moon. Mm-hmm. It's not like that the moon is actually changing shape and thus the gravity the gravity or the gravitational pull is different. Like that's not the physics of it. You know what though? Maybe maybe what's <laughs> happening, Jesse, is you know, have you heard whenever you sleep you get taller because gravity's pushing your body down and you're taller when you wake up than when you go to bed at night? I've I've heard this and also like in relation to age, which is why like you shrink as you get older. Yeah. Maybe he just sleeps more. Around the moon. And so his dick grows half an inch. <laughs> the gravity is pushing it down. <laughs> but is it getting girthier or longer? Oh, yeah, that was a good question, too. Uh, he says longer. So it, dr- yeah. it just it pulls it, pulls it. I'm doing like a hand motion right now. Um, it's uh, not a good one. You can't see it. Yeah, it was good on my end. I don't know. By good, I don't know what I actually mean. Um, so RJ, she's lying to you. This but, isn't a real thing. But I don't think it's bad to like celebrate the full moon and bone war yeah no i mean if the full moon is what gets you off then i'm all for it i mean oh shit jesse what is he a penis vampire oh no i mean (laughs) werewolf i mean a penis werewolf is that what this is um yeah i think that the logical explanation (laughs) is that he's a penis werewolf His dick also gets hairier at the full moon. Oh, like the actual dick or just his pubic hair around his, like, like, I'm imagining like hair all over his dick because it's a werewolf. I mean, like, if it's going to be a werewolf dick, then it needs to go for it. I only like werewolf dicks at least. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, cool. So maybe he's a werewolf. What do you think Focus on the Family would have to say about this question? Um, that the werewolf dick needs to be cleansed on the new moon, on the blue moon, every blue moon. And uh, that... <laughs> and what sorry, I'm trying to both make, you make fun of Focus on the Family and respond as them. And I'm just not that clever in this moment. They have to cleanse a werewolf. But if we're not at the werewolf junction, we're just talking to RJ and his significant other who's measuring his penis... I think the answer would be the size of the penis is not the purpose of the sex and to focus on procreating. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Like, why are they even bother measuring it? Like, yeah. it doesn't matter. They can only get gay for God. You can hot get for God. hot for Jesus. <laughs> they should spend that dick measuring time instead on their knees. Yeah, praying. praying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that felt good. Okay. Good job. Go us. Do you want to hear the actual response that was documented in this book? Yes. That's a new one. Does your pubic hair get thicker too? We don't doubt your penis grew, but the only moon that has any influence on it is your wife's ass. You both expected it to be larger in the moonlight, which influenced how aroused you became when she prepared you and took measurements. That could easily account for that half inch. Under controlled conditions, you know, like a randomized control trial, this is my um, commentary here. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. There would be no difference. The moon does not move the blood or water in your body as it does the tides, and its gravitational pull is a function of its distance from the earth, not its phase. 
Nevertheless, your wife should continue to stroke and examine your erection regularly. Okay, wives shouldn't do shit. <laughs> they are not obligated to measure your dumb dick. <laughs> your dumb werewolf dick. If they want to measure your dumb werewolf dick, then by all means, but like by no means should should she. Yeah, playboy. God, what a good question. Yeah, that was a good start. I'm really yeah. pleased with our answer too. That took on like a new face. I'm going to move on. Is that okay? I'm ready, yeah. Yeah, so this is from um, a chapter called The Married Life, Living With Your Choice. Interesting. Mm -hmm. We are on page 161 for those following along. I just randomly flipped to this. I have no idea what the question is about. I just see that it's titled Daddy Factory. So you remind me of Severus Snape in that moment. Oh, boy. Could you do this in a Severus Snape voice? (laughs) You don't have to. I don't think I can do a Severus Snape voice because I'm not as deep and monotone. Sorry, Keely. I'm just going to disappoint you like this. That's okay. About a year ago, my wife started using unlubricated condoms with no spermicide when we had sex on Saturday mornings. Quick note, have you ever used spermicide? Yeah, it's fucking terrible. Doesn't it burn your vag? Yeah, like 20 some percent of people or something like that are like allergic to it, including myself. It just gives you yeast infections. Also, yeah, you should just use unlubricated condoms and like get your own goddamn lube. We digress. After sex, she would leave in a hurry, saying that she had to go somewhere. After several months, I asked her what she was doing. She paraded three women through the house in various stages of pregnancy and said she was helping them start families. Her idea was that she would be like a loving aunt or sister to the children. I would have been happy to help these women personally, but my wife said that that would have been adultery. Since my wife donated my sperm, Okay. What is happening? <laughs> Will I have to pay child support if one of these women goes to court? Is this something that's common? Women helping other women start families through their husbands? From WC in Little Rock, Arkansas. That took a turn for me. I did not expect most of what just happened. So as somebody who's about to go through the alternative insemination process, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I'm using frozen sperm, so it's a little bit different, but like sperm doesn't live that long outside of the body. How does she get the sperm that's in her vag out of her vag and into the vag of someone else? Well, so I'm guessing she's holding it in the condom. Well, oh, I guess it was, you can assume it. But I'm, I'm feeling is implied. Sorry. (laughs) But like I, what's, curious to me is like the whole idea like the if you're getting a lubricated condom with spermicide it's usually like on the outside not the inside of the condom so like right. that wouldn't I, I like I actually I'm just confused mostly like, and you can get plenty of lubricated condoms without spermicide yeah but I think the point is that like she's <laughs> preserving the sperm and then like keeping it in the condom and like bringing it to her friends and like they're dumping it in their vaginas right dumping it why <laughs> do they use a turkey baster they just out of the condom and then inside. I'm sorry yeah. I said those noises. No, it's okay. And I'm sorry regretted. I was so slow on the uptake, but I just want to say what I think happened because the whiskey hit. Mm-hmm. You did a great yeah. job reading that. Thank you. So woman and man have sex. Mm-hmm. Their sex has changed because she is no longer using condoms lubricated with spermicide. Yes. She's using new non-lubricated condoms. Yes. Our friend takes the condom off of her man. <laughs> she is our friend, yes. She runs into another room where rando woman has been. (laughs) I'm confused about the woman being in their house or if she's like driving it over to them. Well, he said that she paraded them in their house, right? Yeah, but I felt like that was like after the fact because they were already pregnant at that point because he says they're in various stages of pregnancy. Weird. And then she does something with the sperm and now he's concerned about child support. Yeah, I have a lot of concerns for their relationship. Also, okay, like, they're husband and wife, and they're using condoms, which is first confusing 
piece, but that's just my own bias. And she's stealing his semen. Yeah, because there's no consent. Like, he didn't know that. Like, I think stealing is the right word. Yeah, this is really weird. I mean, first of all, she shouldn't be stealing his semen. Also, I'm, like, confused whether they all, like, understand how sex works, period. It's confused. Now, this this one took a turn for me. Um, Little Rock, Arkansas. Real shit show, it seems. (laughs) So, my recommendations talk to each other and don't steal your husband's semen get divorced yeah that was gonna i was gonna say don't have that same husband because he sounds really like a dud yeah also or wife you both sound terrible and if i'm focused on the family what i'm going to say is what i will say is focus on the family would agree that that's adultery and focus on the family is about building families so i feel like they'd be all for this shit she's just giving them the gift of the holy child nailed it (laughs) (laughs) i don't know like is is part of their doctrine that the child is made within the husband wife model and like getting that semen outside of it if that's good or bad i don't know but they're not committing adultery so is it okay but they're not committing adultery whenever they masturbate either oh and that's not okay because they're spilling their seed they're wasting it but they're not wasting it here oh you're right before they were wasting it with this the spermicidal condom situation you're oh that's fair so the answer here is that we suspect your letter is an attempt at humor, but there's a lesson in it. If a child is created by deceit using your sperm, even if you weren't an active participant in the insemination, a judge will still make you pay. We've never heard of an exception, regardless of the circumstances. Perhaps you should sell your story to the tabloids to finance your expanding family. That was wild shit. Yeah. Do you want to flip to a random page? Oh, good. Classic. Does sex attract bears? Oh my god, wait, wait, can you tell me what chapter this is from? Um, the chapter I just turned to is called Miscellaneous. (laughs) (laughs) My wife and I went camping a few days in Yellowstone. I wanted to make love, but she refused. She said that having sex in the woods might attract bears. (laughs) Is that true? Funny fact, this is someone from Boulder, Colorado. (laughs) So this one isn't as sensational as I thought it was. I am mostly confused. Um, I think that if you're out camping and you're like worried about bears, like you should be concerned about like if you have food uh-huh, out. Uh-huh. I thought that brown bears were really attracted to jizz. <laughs> I didn't. Think brown that. bears love some jizz. <laughs> human jizz in particular. <laughs> yeah. None of the juices made in human sex, I think, are going to make bears want to eat you. I will say, however, this goes back to a conversation you and I had before we started recording today, that I lived in Estes Park, Colorado for a summer. And whenever you go there, you have an orientation in a church. And they did talk about mountain lions and bears. Bears, they didn't worry about at all because bears are really scared of humans. But mountain lions can be attracted to blood and stuff. So they did give us a warning about your periods. Oh, wow. So I guess we should totally fact check that because this was at least a decade ago. This reminds me of like, if you go in the water with your period, are like sharks going to eat you? But I mean, like, I I feel like I'm just like a weird blob of blood. So like, like very like thinly kept in by my skin. Barely there. Barely there skin. That's kind of gross. Yeah. Oh, what would Focus on the Family say? Don't have sex in the woods with your girlfriend. Was it his girlfriend? They should get married first for sure. Oh no, it was his wife. I feel like Focus on the Family wouldn't necessarily be upset with them having sex in the forest because maybe that somehow brings them closer to God. What would maybe be of concern if, like, is if other people are around? You know, is this, like, a public campground? Because that might be, like, a little taboo. Just having sex in their tent like good Christians, I think that's fine. Do you want to hear what Playboy says? Yeah, I really, really do. Unless you're covered in honey or make love while frying bacon, you aren't putting yourself in danger. Except for mountain lions. Let's go. Uh, Professor so-and-so from the University of Calgary 
who has documented nearly 900 bear attacks over the past 30 years, has found only a few where a couple reported having sex before the bear showed up. That's probably nothing more than chance, because everyone knows that you go out to the woods to camp. And fuck. He won't dismiss a connection completely between sex and a bear attack. And I quote, a bear's sense of smell is as good or better than any bloodhounds. But the chances you'll be attacked are almost nil to begin with if you observe the standard precautions of back, back county, back country camping. That was hard to say. This was a weird one. Yeah, I picked I a feel really pretty bad weird one. about it. I'm going to read this one. Can you tell me what chapter this one is? Oh, yes. Oh my gosh. So for this question, in Dear Playboy Advisor, it's called Kink. It takes all kinds. (sighs) This one is entitled Eating Out. You may not believe this, but I fantasize about being eaten. I don't mean oral sex, but full-scale devouring by a woman who gets so excited by my taste that she loses all control and consumes me cleanly and painlessly. There are a few variations on this theme. Being cooked for a feast held by a group of hungry women or being slowly eaten with each piece cooked in front of me. Some of my girlfriends have been amused by my desires, but others were horrified. Have you ever heard of this? I'm like, like, I don't think it's that weird and... It's pretty weird. Like, I'm sure that this person is not the only person who's thought about that. And also, I'm, like, low-key wondering if he's, like, into cannibalism. Yeah. And then at the same time, I'm like, oh, you're just, like, desiring an axe commercial. Like, you just want, like, a bunch of women to run after you. And so right. it's not maybe so much about being eaten as it is about just, like, wanting to be really desirable and, like, the idea of, like, people being really into you and wanting to, like, consume your sex. Right. I feel like there's an urban legend, and maybe you've not heard of this, Jesse, but it's, like, someone on Craigslist who is looking for someone to kill them and eat them. I have not heard this. <laughs> it's very similar. It's similar to this. Yeah, so that's what I remember reading, and that's what happened, and I think it was, like, a question of, like, well, is it murder if there was consent? So, my main point... <laughs> Is I think you are accurate in your assessment. What do you think Focus on the Family would say about this? I think that they would say to this man who wants to be cannibalized by women out of desire that this act does not make babies, so that's bad. Mm -hmm. And two, murder is also bad, even Mm -hmm. if there is consent. And gluttony is also bad, so don't eat a whole human body. Oh, seven deadly sins. (laughs) See, I'm wondering, because uh, religion is pretty violent, And I feel like if we're, I don't know, talking like a couple hundred years ago, like that was like probably like a normal thing that you'd like eat somebody during sex. I'm not really making any sense, but my point is, is that violence and sex are pretty intricately linked. And I feel like because Focus on the Family already preaches a type of violence around sex, then maybe they'd be okay with the whole eating thing. Well, here's the thing, though. I think you're right, but I think the shortcoming is that it's the woman eating the men. It would have to be the man eating the woman. Wow. Yeah, because misogyny, right? Yep. Yeah. Patriarchy. But, like, what if the man cheated on her and so she ate him? And then well, gave God birth to their forgives child? all. I don't know. <laughs> like, in what situation could this be okay for Focus on the Family? Like, maybe they were in some sort of, like, disaster, and then um, she was pregnant with his mm. seed, mm. and they were the only two people, and she had to eat him in order to stay alive, and then right. because she ate him, she lived, was rescued, and had their child. And committed herself to Christ for the rest of her days. Yeah, yeah. no, that's acceptable. What's an appropriate way to sacrifice yourself? Like, do you, like, impale yourself? 
Do you drink poison? So for some reason, I know you made a scenario, but I'm just imagining that this like it's like a suburban family in a station wagon, and they like crash, and they like have an avalanche around them, and yeah. so they can't get out, so they have to eat each other. I'm imagining a snowy situation yeah. as well, like yeah. on a mountainside. Mm-hmm. I think in lots of cars, there's a window scraper. Okay, so you're in this station wagon scenario where they're driving in the mountains. So he impales himself on the scraper? It's not clean. I feel like Bear Grill should have covered this for me. <laughs> Shut up. Okay, I'm going to imagine a situation where a bear actually attacks him because mm. we were talking about bears earlier. Sure. On this mountainside. Um, in Yellowstone. In the mountains somewhere, um, there is snow, but it's because they're on the mountain and not because it's winter. So mm. bears are not hibernating, so a bear attacks him. Okay. But he like manages to get away, but he's already dying, so then the wife eats him. So he's yeah. already dying because of the bear attack, but he gets away from the bear, and then he's like, but wife, eat me, save our child. <sighs> and she does. And she does, and she's rescued. And she lives happily ever after. With the child. She remarries, um, which Focus on the Family does not approve of. Because Wait, did you, you say have... she remarried her child? Oh, no, not her child. She just remarries. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> which Focus on the Family doesn't approve of because you have only one true love or whatever the fuck he said earlier. True love waits. True love waits, right. We all gotta live. And for me, and I don't have this question because I don't really know Focus on the Family that well. But, Jesse, riddle me this. I have a husband and I eat him to survive. <laughs> You you actively do this? I do this. And then I'm, so I'm a confused. widow because I ate my husband. Yeah, okay. And then I get... Eventually, I'm, my goal is to date and get remarried because I'm dating with intention to get married. Yeah. The problem right now is that I'm actually imagining you eating your husband. Oh, because you know both, both of, of you. Yeah. yeah. So it's weird for me because I'm like imagining you in your bedroom with Bruce, like eating your husband and then coming out to record this podcast and being like, I don't have a dead body in the room. I mean, you don't know where he's at. He might have gone bouldering. He might not have. I don't know. He might have walked out that door and been eaten by you <laughs> there are two of me <laughs> yeah no i can see why that'd be weird for you i don't know i mean i'm fine with that so i ate my husband i'm widowed i'm now in the dating realm mm. in order to date with intention and find a husband do i at that point take on secondary virginity is that a thing that a person can do yes oh i did not know that i just what yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it was at least when I was in seventh grade and got the sex talk from school that you can recommit yourself to virginity by remaining celibate until marriage by claiming secondary virginity. Uh, so what does the Playboy <laughs> Oh shit, yeah, say? I forgot. What does Playboy say about this? So again, the final question by the person who wrote in and asked the question, oh, they're from Cleveland, Ohio. Of course they're from Ohio. <laughs> I like how everyone here seems to be from the Midwest. Well, there was the oh, Colorado, from, yeah, yeah, in Arkansas. I feel like no one's been from the Midwest. Ohio's in the Midwest. Yeah, this one person is <laughs> in the Midwest. I overstate. Fucking Midwest. I, <laughs> so, anyways, back to this man who wants women to eat his flesh. His question is, "Hey, Playboy, have you ever heard of this?" And Playboy says, "No," but we're not surprised anymore. <laughs> Catherine Gates. Do you know who that is? I do not know Kathy, no. Yeah. Like, of Bill Gates fame? Well, apparently she wrote a book called Deviant Desires. So probably not. Uh, So Catherine Gates opens her books, Deviant Desires, with a story she heard from a New York dominatrix. One of the woman's clients had drawn knobs and dials on a large cardboard box to make it resemble an oven. Wearing only socks, he laid on his back inside the box, put his arms tight against his sides, and lifted his knees. So he resembled a turkey. The dominatrix (laughs) then described for him how the oven was slowly growing hotter and how she couldn't wait to remove 
her roaster, carve him up and eat him. Gates thought this unusual until she investigated and found a universe of people who shared similar cannibalistic desires. Anyways, <laughs> it is known as vor, which makes you a vorophile. It's a kind of rape fantasy that substitutes oral engulfment for intercourse, Gates writes. As to why this idea turns you on, there are theories that it has to do with separation anxiety or a or an early fixation with nature shows and fairy tales to each their own. We're content to have a woman devour our penis as long as she doesn't chew. I mean, I'm going to chew. So that's cool. the podcast. We did it. We did it. For those of you who are listening, several months from now, if anyone's listening, look at how loud that one <laughs> That was a really effective book slap it in really case you was. weren't certain about that one. <laughs> so Keely is leaving Chicago and moving to Kansas City. I am. Bye, bitches. Um, I'm really going to miss Keely. This is our first season of the podcast. We are hopeful that we will, one, get better at recording the podcast. Yes. And two, we are going to record it long distance. So hopefully yeah. there will be a season two. We're planning for a season two. Uh, there's going to be a season two. Yeah, I'm going to even get a microphone. Fancy. So um, hopefully it won't sound terrible on my end. It's going to sound perfect. It's going to be perfect, as every episode has been. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get better. Um, this is pretty new for us, but we're really excited to be doing it, and we're excited for season two. Also, maybe for some context, do you want to explain to our listeners how we know each other? Oh my gosh, our origin story. Yes, I do. <laughs> so in Chicago, I'm usually not this weird. Uh, but no, you're always this I'm weird. Pre- okay. <laughs> yeah, you are. This is good. why we're friends. This is great. Good, good, good. Uh, so we met, I don't know, three plus years ago? Something like that. That's a long time. Yeah. So we met at a dance studio in the city. Both of us are wildly accomplished professional dancers. <laughs> That's and by false. that, you mean hobbyists. <laughs> hobbyists. Uh, yes. Yes. People have paid to see us dance, though. Uh, mostly our friends and family. Yeah, but they're still people. <laughs> they are people. They are humans who, in fact, spent money to support us because we asked them to. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so we danced for a long time together, and we were acquaint- acquaintances. We were friendly acquaintances, but we were not friends. Yeah. And uh, eventually we became friends. Yeah, we actually performed together. Um, we did. The first time we performed together a few times. Oh, and that was the first time like I had performed as an adult. Oh, that's really sweet. Yeah. Um, but we were at a rehearsal for a dance that we were in together. We mm. were in two dances together the first time both of us performed. Yeah. You were maybe in more than that, but I was not. No, it was just two. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, hey. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were in dances together, and we were at the dance studio rehearsing, mm-hmm. and we had like a break, I think, between our dances. Okay. And you asked me if I wanted to get pizza. Oh, you're right. Between. I didn't actually know what, you're gonna, what story you're going to go with. Yes, yeah, so I did ask you to get pizza. Um, it was warm outside, so we got pizza. People were still practicing in the studio, so we sat right outside on the sidewalk. Just it, right on the sidewalk. Just like, right people on the yeah. walk. There was no bench. No, like. we were just on the ground. And not even, like, really, like, against the building. <laughs> no. Like, we were, like, in the sidewalk, kind of by the tree planter. I, yeah. I think, I, w- I don't know if I was panicking. I don't. I don't usually sit in the middle of a sidewalk, but I totally did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did. We ate pizza, and then you told me to watch the movie The Witch. Oh, I did. I I love The Witch, the 2v1. Yes, and I think we also, like, low-key were just like, oh, you're into fantasy weird shit, I'm into fantasy weird shit. Right. 
and we were kind of like feeling each other out but we mm-hmm. were like getting along pretty well and then we performed together we did and then continued to take dance classes together right um i feel like then i went through like a weird hot mess of time in my life I, so i didn't go to dance super frequently but then when i came back more right. regularly we like started to actually become friends for sure but i will even say from my perspective i think i felt closer to you before you took a little bit of a hiatus because you were sharing some of those life events with me but then I don't think we really started hanging out until you got back. Like, I felt yeah. like you were someone that I wanted to be friends with. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so no, it happened. Yeah. And now we're doing a podcast. Yeah. Good job, everyone listening to reap the fruits of our friendship. Yeah, this is us high-fiving. It wasn't. That, that was, was just me high-fiving <laughs> I didn't know what was happening, so I was kind of deer in headlights just Yeah, now. no, it was weird. Oh! It was pretty weird. You can edit it out. No, or leave it in. Staying in. <laughs> Who knows? You know, we're still finding our voices. We are. And we will be until... We die. So, listeners, you do you. <laughs> you don't have to support us because we don't have a Patreon. <laughs>